What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement, Amron. And last week, we talked about my favorite late round running back targets for zero running back builds. Now, today, we're going to talk about the other side of that, not my wide receiver targets for zero wide receiver in robust RB builds, but just my favorite late round wide receiver targets, sleepers, whatever you want to call them. Now, we're also going to have a little bit of a twist here because I think one of the ways to squeeze out the most value possible from these late round wide receivers is by stacking them with their quarterbacks we're gonna talk some stacking some best ball how you can apply that to redraft managed leagues and dynasty leagues all of that good stuff so i think there's gonna be a lot of stuff in here that's going to help everybody it's a little bit hot down here in the basement we got the fan on but i don't want it to be too loud uh to mess up the sound so maybe i might even start sweating by the end of this like the good old days but as always if you enjoy the video make sure you go down below subscribe leave a like let's go so with best ball and the growing rise of underdog and all of these platforms by the way promo code ron on underdog gets you deposit match all the 100 i'll have the link in the comments and i'll have it in the description but what happens when best ball becomes this massive wave is we see tactics and strategy from best ball trickle down to manage redraft leagues to dynasty leagues all of that good stuff which is a good thing right uh we, we care more about structure and we care more about stacking but i do think that it's a little bit it's a little bit over the top and that people don't understand exactly what they're benefiting from especially when it comes to stacking now that's a weird statement to say out loud but let me sort of break down what i mean by that and i think one of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to stacking is that stacking like your wide receiver one to his quarterback one is this massive advantage and when we actually look at the data thanks to rotoviz's underdog advancement rate explorer we see that this stack didn't do a ton it boosts your total points from 50, 1534 to 1539 which isn't a lot it boosted your playoff odds from 16.5 percent to 7.3 percent but it dinged your semifinals odds at 1.5 percent and it dinged your finals odds at 0.09 percent so it's kind of a wash where it boosted your floor it didn't do you a ton of good in the playoffs there's not a a massive advantage to be had right it's kind of a negligible difference to be completing one of the more vanilla stacks now sure we're correlating those two players the quarterback and wide receiver on a week-to-week -week basis which is good and it's probably better than having no correlation at all but i think stacking is not so much to make your studs better but to actually make your lesser players more impactful for your teams on a week-to-week -week basis which is what we're going to be talking about today so someone like stefan diggs is already a beast stacking josh allen with him helps but it's not really supercharging your lineup. You're not getting a massive advantage by stacking Stephon Diggs with Josh Allen. I think what's actually more impactful is if you have Josh Allen stacked with Stephon Diggs, you have him stacked with Gabriel Davis or something, something you can tack on top of that is an Isaiah McKenzie. He's the wide receiver four on the Bills, and his boom weeks now correlate with Josh Allen, and he will give you massive spike weeks, which makes an uninteresting guy like Isaiah McKenzie in a lot of builds really exciting when you have a Bills stack on your team now i saw this last year i stacked byron pringle with patrick mahomes and he actually snuck me into the playoffs uh byron pringle he had a couple of big blow-up games and he correlated with mahomes stealing games and that is how you sort of get through in those tournaments or just in playoffs in general in redraft managed leagues now the reason i picked isaiah mckenzie is because he's somebody that i actually like as a late round wide receiver target we're not going to talk about him later because we already brought him up now but he's the wide receiver four on the bills and i don't mean depth chart i don't mean perceived i think he's going to be the wide receiver four i mean concrete 
per ADP, you have Diggs, you have Gabe Davis, you have Crowder, then you have Isaiah McKenzie. So when I'm saying wide receiver four, I just mean the fourth wide receiver per ADP. Now in this video, we're going to talk about just wide receiver fours. And the reason for that is that stacking wide receiver fours has been a cheat code that no one is talking about besides TJ Hernandez on Twitter. And this is a great chart from him showing the eight quarterback stacks in the last two best ball mania. So this is underdog in 2020 and underdog in 2021 that returned a positive advance rate over expectation. So it was advantageous to stack these sets of players within those teams two years in a row of those eight stacks six of them had a wide receiver four now this is important because i'm not just talking about quarterback two wide receiver four stacks not just josh allen to wide receiver four i'm saying that is fine but then you can also have any stack boosted by a wide receiver four so if you stack josh allen to dawson knox tacking on Isaiah McKenzie is always a great move. If you have Josh Allen to Gabriel Davis tacking on Isaiah McKenzie, another great move. You can see all the way across this chart that no matter what kind of stack you start out with, adding wide receiver four as a third option more often than not is a good idea. You have quarterback one, RB two, wide receiver four, QB one, wide receiver three, wide receiver four, QB one, tight end one, wide receiver four. It is just a really good way to make somebody who wouldn't really be valuable to your team otherwise, unless if you have his quarterback that much more valuable now to take this one step further the crazy part is you don't even really have to stack the wide receiver four with his quarterback for it to be effective when we zoom out and we look at the top five stacks from 2021 with the highest average scores it's all sorted at the far right column we have three of the top five stacks from 2021 include a wide receiver four so now we know across the board wide receiver fours are supercharging stacks and it's like nobody even cares now, I'm going to get into some of my favorite wide receiver fours in a second here, but I just want to go over some takeaways. We know in best ball leagues, if we're stacking, I usually like to max out about three teammates. It's always a good idea to add in that wide receiver four, as long as you don't have like four or five teammates from the same squad. Now, this also applies for underdog. It applies for any best ball dynasty leagues out there. I'm not a fan of roster clogging wide receivers in dynasty, but if you have, say, Josh Allen and Diggs in a dynasty best ball, I think it makes a ton of sense to go grab your Donovan Peoples-Jones, go grab your Tim Patricks, whatever, go grab your Russell Gages and make some kind of move happen for Isaiah McKenzie. I think it's a great way to supercharge your lineup in a dynasty best ball league. So then that brings us to applying this to redraft managed leagues. And I'll say it's a little bit less effective here because you aren't starting a team's wide receiver four super often. And it's hard to predict their spike weeks where in best ball, you're going to get that benefit all the time. Also, most redraft leagues aren't deep enough for you to even want to roster a guy like Isaiah McKenzie, but I think it's still useful for FFPC and high stakes leagues where you're drafting 20 rounds deep and managed leagues where these wide receivers are getting drafted. We're going to go over a few guys who will get drafted in your home leagues, but I think this is still useful for high stakes and FFPC leagues where you have 20 rounds to draft from. You will very easily be able to roster a guy like Isaiah McKenzie. And if we're talking about just managed leagues like home leagues, I still think that this is valuable info for the wide receivers that are getting drafted in those leagues, if that makes sense. So obviously not guys like Isaiah McKenzie, but we're going to talk about two guys up top that I think will be drafted in your home leagues. Now, the bottom line is even in managed leagues, if I need to flex a random wide receiver in like week eight, week nine, and say both of my options are about wide receiver 36-ish and either my weekly rankings, somebody else's weekly rankings, give me the guy that correlates to my quarterback. Now, I know I said earlier that wide receiver four stacks don't have to have the quarterback but in a managed redraft league i want the quarterback to be stacked with that wide receiver four so make sure that if you are drafting isaiah mckenzie that you have a josh allen 
Now let's get to my favorite five wide receiver fours to stack with their offenses this season. And first up, we're going to talk about a guy who I have faded his entire career, but I actually don't mind him this year, and that's McCole Hardman. He's going 11.07 as the wide receiver 58 on underdog. And when we look at this wide receiver room, there's so much uncertainty, which is what we want to lean into. We have Juju, we have Sky Moore, we have Marcus Valdez-Scanling, all of these new additions, which means we have no idea how this wide receiver room is going to shake out in terms of who's going to be out there in two wide receiver sets, who's going to be out there in three wide receiver sets. We truly don't know. But what we do know is McCole Hardman is the only guy in that wide receiver room to have caught passes from Mahomes. And I think when you're on a team like the Chiefs that are trying to win, trying to score points, continuity means a lot. And as much as I love Sky Moore, I think it's probably underrated just how likely it is that McColl finds himself ahead of both or either of Marcus Valdez-Scantling and Sky Moore. Sky Moore is a rookie. Marcus Valdez-Scantling is this not very talented field stretcher from the Packers. I don't know what Marcus Valdez-Scantling can do that Sky Moore can't really, or that McColl Hardman can't also really do. I also thought it was really interesting when you look at Mike Clay's projections of this offense, he is the guy at ESPN who does projections. He's just trying to get everything as correct as possible. He has McCole Hardman finishing second among those wide receivers in fantasy points, partly because of his rushing ability, 11 rushes, 71 yards and a touchdown, which is really fun for these late round swings like this, especially guys in best ball where they can catch like a you know, a 40-yard bomb for a touchdown and then take an end around for like a 20-yard touchdown. You're looking at like 25-plus points in that week. McCole Hardman has that dynamic ability in terms of being a rusher, but he's also in that same 75 to 81 target range as Sky Moore and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Now, I think Sky Moore is interesting because I think a lot of that production could come in like the final eight weeks and he could smash down the stretch. But when we're talking about McCole Hardman versus Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and you can get McCole Hardman like three to four rounds later on, I don't see why you wouldn't take that bet. McColl has a ton of upside as this really fast wide receiver who's sort of gadgety. He His splits without Tyree Kill are also sort of promising. He has a lot of things going in his direction. I'm not saying he's going to absolutely smash, but if I already have Mahomes, he's a great guy to just tack onto the, the back end of your roster as somebody that can pop off on a week-to-week basis with the spike weeks of a Patrick Mahomes. Now, KJ Hamler going at the 1601 as the wide receiver 78 is one that I would say is also still in range for redraft managed leagues in like that final round that you can stack to Russell Wilson. And this is another high scoring offense with a lot of uncertainty in the wide receiver room, which is what we want to be targeting. So we have Russell Wilson coming to the Broncos, which is a new location for him. They have a new offensive coordinator. And again, we don't really know how this offense is going to shake out in 2022. And I'm leaning into KJ Hamler because he is a really fun profile. He's this 427 speedster, sort of looks like Tyler Lockett at 5'11, 178. It's not very difficult to see him sort of liking KJ Hamler as a Tyler Lockett in terms of Russell Wilson and sort of what he sees from this passing game. Again, we have no clue when Russell Wilson takes his first snap how everything is going to shake out. So again, I want to take a swing on one of the cheaper options in a really ambiguous type wide receiver room. But he's this perfect better and best ball type guy where we've already seen him pay off huge in underdog tournaments. We saw him in the first best ball mania. He was on the winning team, Justin Herzig's $200,000 winner when he delivered a two catch 86 yard and two touchdown game, 22.6 points in the first round of the playoffs. Now this screenshot doesn't show KJ Hamler scoring anything because that was the final week, but Hamler was a huge part of sneaking this team in to the finals so that Alvin Kamara could just smash for 54 points in that final week. So we've already seen KJ Hamler help bring a team 
to the championship rounds. So that was as a rookie. He's now going into year three. So he has a lot of room to grow. He is coming off an ACL injury, which is definitely concerning, but we're already getting that discount. I just like his profile as a guy with Russell Wilson who loves deep targets. That's KJ Hamler's bread and butter as a guy who could have a couple of really big spike weeks, especially when the Chiefs and the Broncos play in week 17 in that championship round. He is a guy, especially if you have Russell Wilson on a dynasty team on a dynasty best ball team, I think KJ Hamler is a really good guy to go out there and stack with him. Now, I also like the hidden upside of KJ Hamler being sort of a, I would almost call him like a wide receiver handcuff where if Sutton or Judy or Tim Patrick were to go down, Hamler just getting that increase in routes in three wide receiver sets, I think would propel him to probably like a fringe wide receiver three type guy, which is really interesting for Hamler at this price. Next, we're going to talk about one that really hurts my heart. We have LaVisca Chanel, and we are now in a world where LaVisca Chanel is the wide receiver four and ADP on the Jaguars going in the 18th round of best ball drafts as the wide receiver 95. And I'm not even so much saying that LaVisca Chanel is this amazing wide receiver, but this is a second round NFL draft pick who didn't face plan in year one. He had like a 15% target share, was just fine in year one, was actually pretty good down the stretch with bad quarterbacks like Jake Lutton. And then last year, he's in a dumpster fire of an offense with Trevor Lawrence, who was awful, and Urban Meyer, who was doing crazy things in bars. And he still drew 100 targets last year. So there's not really a ton of reason for me to believe that he's a bad player. I think that LaVisca Chanel obviously isn't a superstar, but I don't think that he's a bad player. He actually joined this really weird group last year of wide receivers to have 100 plus targets and no touchdowns last year. It was just a really weird year. He didn't have any touchdowns. He had over 100 targets or he had just right on the dot 100 targets. It was just a really weird year. He's had a very, like the Jaguars have just been the stone worst landing spot he could have had through two years at this point. And now he gets a new coaching staff which sounds like I'm going to say this is a plus, but it's not because that guy brought in Doug Peterson. They signed Christian Kirk. They signed Zay Jones. They already have Marvin Jones. So right off the bat, LaVisca Chanel is the wide receiver four on the depth chart. And that's why I think wide receiver four in ADP is probably fair, though I would say I think he's more talented than Zay Jones very easily, possibly better than Marvin Jones at this point. We're heading into year three. He can maybe take a little bit of a jump, a little bit of a bounce back. Again, 100 targets last year. He can earn targets. He's out there getting open. And there is also that secret upside, that hidden trap door that he gets traded. There's some rumblings out there that he might get traded. I've heard Dallas has a great spot, which would be really, really fun where they don't have a firm slot wide receiver if they want CeeDee Lamb to play on the outside full time. They don't have Michael Gallup to begin the season. Jalen Tolbert might not be ready to go week one in terms of just being a starting outside wide receiver in the NFL. James Washington isn't a guy that you really want to play. So he has some outs there, if not Dallas, and there's some other teams as well that could be interested. So that's interesting as well, where if he gets traded, maybe he goes from an 18th round pick to like the wide receiver two or wide receiver three on a team and is like a 16th round pick. So you have some room for profit there. They're also thin at running back on the Jaguars where we have James Robinson gone. We could see a little bit of Cordero Patterson action if, you know, Etienne has had injury problems. If he goes down, if you need to change a pace guy. You could see LaVisca Chanel be the second running back on the depth chart instead of a guy like Snoop Connor while James Robinson is gone. I'm just saying there's a lot of there's a lot of different outs to this bet. Um, we're not really betting on the high upside offense like we're doing with the first two, but we're betting on the player a little bit more and sort of just the chaos of the NFL season. Our fourth wide receiver on this list is going to be Romeo Dubs, rookie wide receiver out of Nevada, went in the fourth round in underdog leagues. He's going in the 18th round as the wide receiver 100. He's probably not even getting drafted in a lot of leagues. And he's very similar to McColl in that we have no clue how this wide receiver room is going to shake out. 
we have Christian Watson, who's a rookie. We have Alan Lazard, who's never been the true number one there. And then after that, we have like Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins. There's not a lot there that screams like one of these guys is going to be the firm wide receiver one option. I'm not saying that Romeo Dubs is going to be the number one option, but I'm just saying there's a lot of uncertainty there. And when we have a lot of uncertainty and we have a really good quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who Mike Clay has projected to score the second most touchdowns in the NFL with 35 we have a lot of upside there. And we also know rookies carry a lot of, carry a lot of upside, right? We saw last year Amon Ross St. Brown. We saw Waddle. We saw Chase all smash. And I'm not saying that Romeo Dubes is really going to be the same there. I mean, he's a fourth round pick, so Amon Ross St. Brown is kind of comparable. He's not the same type of prospect, but his profile in terms of just being a guy on this team is decent. He's 6'2", 204 pounds. He scored 20 touchdowns in his last 20 games at Nevada. I don't have a ton of faith in Alan Lazard or Christian Watson, and this wide receiver room is pretty much wide open, and he's the perfect guy in the 18th round just get correlated to Aaron Rodgers. And I think that there's even a little bit of a opportunity for Romeo Dubs to sort of be the wide receiver version of Elijah Mitchell, where Christian Watson gets drafted ahead of him, but Romeo Dubs actually ends up leading all the rookies on that team in production in terms of wide receiver scoring so we'll sort of see how that shakes out again this is an 18th round pick so i'm not going to go out here and say that he's going to smash but if you can correlate romeo dubs who could have a couple of spike weeks with like two touchdowns and 60 receiving yards on like three catches with aaron Rodgers, i think that he is somebody that could give you a couple spike weeks when you need them down the stretch then we saved the best for last braxton barrios going at the 18 12 as the wide receiver 109 he is not even getting drafted probably most of the time. And this is a public service announcement. If you draft Zach Wilson in any type of format, if you draft him in Dynasty Best Ball, if you draft him in Underdog, or I guess any best ball format, please stack him with Braxton Berrios. On a per route basis, Berrios was insane last year. Among wide receivers with over 200 routes ran, he was tied for 15th in targets per out run with Keenan Allen and Elijah Moore. He was ahead of guys like Jalen Waddle, Pittman, Renfro on a per route basis. Now, he's definitely a gadgety guy, so when he's on the field, they're going to scheme him touches, but still, that's pretty crazy for a guy who's going almost free in their in these drafts. And I think this is a little bit of a crazy claim. I think if there is a guy out there who can be this year's Hunter Renfro, and not because he is this white slot wide receiver who looks like an accountant, but because he is an 18th round pick who's this unsexy guy who doesn't seem like a league winner, but actually comes up big it's Braxton Berrios. He is a wide receiver four on his team. He excels in the slot. And I think that he's actually drawing live to sort of have this Cole Beasley type role where he plays in the slot in every three wide receiver set. Now, I think a lot of people are going to expect Elijah Moore or Garrett Wilson to play in the slot. But if you look at last year, Elijah Moore played 75% of his snaps at X. So I think there's a real possibility that Braxton Berrios actually is the one who benefits from Jamison Crowder leaving. You have Elijah Moore playing on the outside. You have Garrett Wilson on the outside. And then you have Braxton Berrios in the slot, which I know would make Corey Davis the wide receiver four. And I don't think that that is that wild to say. I think that there's a very good, I think there's a very good chance that possibly two wide receiver sets to start the season. We have Corey Davis, we have Elijah Moore. And then by the end of the season, it's Corey, it's Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. And all across the board, in three wide receiver sets, we have Braxton Berrios in the slot. They love him a lot. Matt LaFleur loves to use him. If you look at any of these plays last year where they would do like lateral plays to Berrios and he would have fun on these end arounds, he has really dynamic type rushing upside where he had seven carries, 40 rushing yards, and two touchdowns on the ground last year. He's super versatile. He's kind of this offensive weapon in the offense. He is really fun. Now, at the very least, if you're not buying any of that, 
he's intriguing for boom games late in the season because you have a scenario where let's say Corey Davis goes down or Elijah Moore goes down and Garrett Wilson goes down. We know on a per route basis, Braxton Barrios is good. So if his routes go up because of one of the wide receivers ahead of them go down, he is going to be startable in fantasy. We saw last year, he was the wide receiver nine over the playoff weeks from weeks 15 through 17. And he was actually the wide receiver five in the championship round with 25 points that week. So when you have this super versatile rushing threat who had two touchdowns rushing the ball last year and can touch the ball in numerous ways and has a ton of wiggle, dynamism, all of that stuff, you get a guy who has a really interesting week-to-week profile. He's also best buds with Zach Wilson, which doesn't hurt. I think that they like have Instagram pictures together and stuff. There is a lot of the same vibes from like Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro and the same vibes with Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford last year. I think it's there with Zach Wilson and Braxton Berrios. So if there's any kind of step forward from Zach Wilson as well, I think Braxton Berrios will sort of get dragged with him in that current. So that might be wild, but again, last round pick. I'm telling you, if you have Zach Wilson anywhere in any best ball format, please, please, please draft Braxton Berrios with him as well. Now that's going to do it for us today. I think that that sort of covered the whole idea of stacking. I think the best way to, I think the best way to implement stacking is to pull up your last, you know, like five to seven rounds of players instead of trying to match up your studs. Uh, matching up your studs is fine, but I think the best way to do it is to use stacking to elevate your crappy players pretty much. So that's gonna do it for us today. As always, if you enjoyed the video, make sure you down below, subscribe, leave a like, and I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice, I got the juice. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kinda glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my vagabond. Rapper song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Mean.